Welcome to the Curiously Guided Podcast, the show for intentional business owners and curious minds looking to combine the inner work and outer work to create a life, business, and career that feels deeply fulfilling and wildly aligned on all levels. We're your hosts. I'm Shay. And I'm Mariah. We're two business strategists passionate about rewriting the rules to success in a way that combines both strategy and energetics. So this podcast started with both of us being in the online business world, craving more deep, meaningful, and transparent conversations. So we decided to come together and create a space to do just that. Our guest interviews highlight cool humans doing cool shit, chasing their dreams, and going down their own rabbit holes to create a more sustainable and fulfilling life in whatever way that means for them. We see this podcast as everything that people won't share on social media. We don't give a fuck about highlight reels or proven frameworks. We love getting in the weeds, asking the tough questions, and doing the work to create a life and career we love, all while committing to ourselves and our personal growth. Because only through that lens can we truly create a lifestyle that feels good from the inside out. Welcome to the Curiously Guided Podcast. Are you ready to trust the nudge and let curiosity guide the way? Because we're excited to shake shit up and live outside the box with you. Okay, what's up, everybody? We are really excited to share this episode with Natasha Pierre, video marketing coach with you guys. Um, To be honest, I've been kind of honest on this podcast the whole time, but I am not a huge content creator. It doesn't really come naturally for me. And when I got done shooting this interview, I was wound up about creating content. Natasha has this just incredible gift of um, making this stuff seem not very complicated, making it seem really accessible, making it seem really easy. She has this really cool strategy she calls low lift. Um, She shared ideas with Mariah and I about how to make simple B-roll footage, which I thought was really mind-blowing. Just her whole approach to video was really honestly empowering and refreshing to me. I I felt like, oh, this is absolutely something I can do. It it seems like a no-brainer and she just makes it seem easy. I know it's not, but she really helps break things down in an easy way. So whether you're like Mariah and you're just excellent at creating content or if you're like me and you feel a bit... um, it feels a bit more like a slog. I think you guys will get, this episode has something for everybody. She just has a lot of really innovative tips and idea about how we can show up on video, which as we all know, in the online space is becoming more and more of a non-negotiable. Yeah. And what I like about this, and I was listening back to the episode and I even called myself out in the episode, but it's like, I said the word genius like 1700 times, like just the way that she breaks things down and really simplifies it. And just like you said, like the tips and like the tactics and the strategies, like it's not like bullshit strategies that are like, oh, just do this. It's like, oh shit, I can see how that would be really powerful. And just like the perspective shifts that she gives around things just makes it feel really doable. And actually after this um, podcast episode, I had myself a little like content day, like she recommends in the episode. And I think I maybe spent like an hour, maybe an hour and a half, just taking some like what I would have initially thought as like not good enough video content. But then Uh, after having just like these little clips of me doing just shit that I'm already doing in my office. I just took some clips 
And then I ended up using those to create an Instagram reel. Dude, I got that Instagram reel done in like fucking seven minutes. Like the hardest thing was putting the text on there and making the text go away. Like, because the Instagram reel editor can be a pain in the ass, but it's like having stock content and like what she suggests it makes it so easy and it's actually pretty fun to create it. Like when I was in the zone, like setting up my, I do have a tripod. And so when I was setting up my tripod, I was just like, oh, I'm going to put it over here. Ooh, I'm going to put it over here. Ooh, I'm going to do this over here. And like, you kind of just get in to a rabbit hole. And I just, I like the approach of creating stock content versus like lip syncing into a thing and doing like viral style videos and stuff like that. So I really appreciate Natasha's perspective and I put it into action and I actually asked my Instagram people, I was like, Hey, which, uh, Instagram reel do you prefer? Do you prefer this one that had just like the text on the screen with the stock content? I was like, or do you prefer my normal ones where I'm just like talking, like floating head, like talking to the camera. And a lot of people are like, yo, we like this one because it's easy to digest. I don't have to have my sound on. I can just read the text and like it kept my attention, whatever. And so you mean they like the more like um, stock content kind instead of you like talking? Yeah, yeah. They said that it was like easier to digest and like less overwhelming. And I was like, that's fucking cool. So if video marketing has been like scary or you're just like, I don't even know how to get started. This episode is going to be wildly helpful for you especially like we don't just go into like creating content but like setting boundaries that feel good and recognizing limits also diving into like growing pains from growing quickly because everybody wants to go viral but like we don't want to think about the downside of that the cons that can come with that and we also dive into just like being a little bit more flexible in content structure while also being strategic so like there is so much fucking juice in here Natasha literally gave us so much to be able to implement in our business while also being really honest and transparent about just like the process of doing all of this. So let me just read about Natasha and then we will hop into the episode. So Natasha is the host of the Shine Online podcast and a video marketing coach for small businesses. Through her signature group programs and educational content, Natasha helps you build your brand with a confident video marketing strategy that ultimately grows your business, community, and impact simultaneously. So with that, let's just get into the episode. Natasha, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I have been excited for this episode for probably like three months now. And so I'm just really stoked to talk with you about like your zone of genius and your perspective, especially in like the online business and like the marketing world and social media and video and all of the juicy stuff. But can you just kind of take us back to the beginning? I feel like all of us kind of have this story of like walking in through the portal of like the online business space and like not being able to look back. So like, how did you get into the online business space? Yeah, so it actually started while I was in college during my first internship. Um, So my first internship was with a woman who worked completely remotely. 
She had an online digital marketing business. And at the time I had like never, like she was a unicorn. I had never even heard of that or even thought it was possible. And what I was really grateful for through her mentorship in that internship is she told me if you wanted to create something, you totally could. And at that time I was a freshman in college and I hadn't even thought about entrepreneurship. It wasn't even something I was interested in. And so I go on throughout the next few years of college, have some other internships and experiences. And one of my long-term internships, which was with digital marketing, I was doing social media, blogging, the whole thing. Um, they kind of let me go abruptly right before I was about to graduate. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I thought that was going to be my full-time job after I graduate. What is life? What am I going to do? Like have the whole college crisis. And I thought back to that mentor I kind of was starting to hear more things about the online space and entrepreneurship and all these options. And so I reached out to her. This was like literally a week before my 21st birthday. I reached out to her and I was like, I think I want to start a business, like a social media management business. And she was like, go for it. I'll give you your first client. And so I was like, okay, we're doing this. So um, literally in like my college apartment, I'm like putting together my branding, putting together offers, like started on Upwork. That's where I started getting clients actually um, in Facebook groups. And then I just kind of went full time and have been doing it now for almost six years. That's incredible. Um, I'm curious, what were, um, what were you studying in college? Like in the meantime? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was studying public relations. So kind of related, like I definitely do integrate some of those things that I did learn. Like we did talk about social media and like design and all those types of things. Um, and my passion at the time was journalism. So I've always loved storytelling and then it kind of eventually became storytelling on social media and then video. So it is a little more tied in. I wasn't like a medical major or like doing science or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I'm curious about also like what did the digital marketing business look like? And then what does the business look like? Like what was the journey from digital marketing to what the business is today? Yeah, I mean, when I started my business, I probably did what a lot of people do. And I took any experience I had and I literally tried it all. And I very quickly realized what I didn't want to do. I managed any type of social media accounts I could for any type of client. Um, I did blogging. I also did um, website design. LOL, don't hire me for website design ever. Um, and very quickly, I realized social media and specifically Instagram was where I wanted to focus my energy um, and helping my clients. So that's kind of where it started. And, and social media management was actually my business for a while um, until I kind of reached these crossroads in 2020 where my business grew so exponentially over that summer. Um, reels were booming. I think everyone was recommending Black-owned businesses. And so my business literally like tripled overnight in terms of my following, um, revenue, everything. Um, and so I kind of was at this crossroads where I was like, I could either continue growing with like a social media management agency, or I kind of had to pivot completely. And so that was kind of what led me to where I I am now in kind of the video marketing coaching space. Okay. That pivot from, um, should I go in the agency direction? Should I go more in the coaching direction is something that Mariah and I, um, tangle with a lot, honestly, tell me about what your thinking was there. 
Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people that are, you know, people that used to be fellow social media managers with me, and they found a lot of success with the agency route. But I realized I didn't want to run a team. I didn't want to be running a team and running a client be a big part of my business. Um, And I think that's definitely kind of the route you choose when you go down the agency route. And as much as I love creating content for clients, and it's definitely something I miss, but I now do in a different way. Um, I realized that like, even with an agency route, I was capped with how many people I really could serve. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that moving into kind of my shine with Natasha personal brand allowed me to work with more people through coaching and allowed me to do speaking and work as a creator and working under like my agency name just left me a little bit limited. So I found that it just worked a little bit better for me. And I also was just like burnt out, like, any social media manager that was like operating in the 2020 space was like totally could understand of like things were changing on a dime and there were so many political issues and then things were shutting down and like you were in this constant like reactive state and then it was short form video and then it was TikTok and then it was reels and it was just it kind of I burnt out as well so I think that kind of made my decision for me. You know I feel like in the online business space, a a couple things. Just want to take it back a hot second of just like how I, smart it is when you're first getting started in the online business space to try so many different things because like you can literally take any of those skills and create a full business out of them. But like so often when you're moving from like the nine to five or like the college world, it's like the marketing agency is like a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it's like this big mixing pot. And so it's like, I feel like when you're starting to like do your own shit, you really have to test and tweak to really see like, where is my zone of genius and what do I really want to do? And then I think that so often we get, and I mean, I'm just saying this from my personal experience, I have gotten the advice to run an SEO agency from almost every single coach, every single mentor that I've ever talked about, because like, that's just like the next step, right? It's just like own an agency. And so it was hard for me to find examples of like people doing their own thing, creating content in their own way, becoming a thought leader or just like an expert in the space and like stepping into the personal brand while also having like a specific niche. Because I feel like there's a lot of examples of like thought leaders and like mindset and just like work-life balance and like that kind of stuff and super helpful. But it's like, there isn't really thought leaders for like specific things or like speakers for like specific pieces of marketing. And so I find that more personal people that are interested in personal branding, I feel like they're stepping deeper into that to like become educators and like become coaches and mentors to like help the people that are a few steps behind. And so I appreciate hearing people that like find their zone of genius and then like have the courage and the vulnerability to be like, you know what? I'm fucking betting on myself. I'm not going to build an agency like everybody either says or like the easy clear path that like we could Google and kind of like see how to build an agency. But it's like, I'm going to step forward and figure this out and like let it all evolve. But I do want to ask one question of like, how did it feel to like blow up relatively quickly? Like, was that overwhelming? Yeah, it was overwhelming. I mean, just for context, at the beginning of 2020 summer, like around May, I was around like 
4,000 followers maybe in my community. And by the end of the summer in August, I was at 10,000 followers. And by the end of the year, I was at 20. Um, and like I said, that also did reflect in the income that year. I think I went from having like a $40,000 year to having like my first over a $100,000 year. Um, so it, it was very overwhelming. There was a lot of growing pains in terms of um, systems I had in place, in terms of just a adjusting to having so many DMs and comments and engagement and collaborations and like all of those different parts of the business. So it really was a huge adjustment. And I think it's why I never um, encourage my clients to go viral and want to have all that reach because once you get it, it kind of can be a lot to manage. The managing the DMs is a particular piece I'm really struggling with right now. I didn't Tell, tell me a bit about that. Like, how do you manage? I feel like capacity gets so stretched thin. Yeah, I think that's what <laughs> it <know>. is. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. drowning in the world of DMs. Pretty much. I mean, I know some people maybe go through getting some help with their DMs. I am my own social media manager now, ironically, so I don't have help with it. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was understanding that I have to set boundaries and that I can't reply to everything, which I know um, is really hard because I do think it's really important to prioritize engagement and building a community just as much as creating content and all those types of things. But I've realized that like, I can't always answer everyone wanting to pick my brain and my DMs. Like, I just don't have the capacity for that. Um, and so I think giving myself the permission that I don't need to reply to everything has has definitely helped. And then I'm a human that I can't respond 24-7 and still have social media boundaries, which I think is just so important and something I always tell my clients to do. Mm. Yeah, I feel like putting the boundaries in place, like in practice that's the fucking work right there. Because it's like, of course, theoretically, we know, of course, like, yeah, like, when I'm thinking about it, being a human, I'm only one human, I can't do everything. But like, actually having to like, see the DM and like, ignore it is kind of like, oh, it probably takes some like time to strengthen that muscle. And then with the increased visibility, I'm sure comes the increase and in like, maybe not so nice comments, like how, how is that kind of panned out? Because that's like, yeah. Uh, like a huge fear of mine of just like is everybody gonna like rip my entire being to shreds yeah I definitely think I've gotten some not so nice comments but I think maybe less than you would think or anticipate for the audience of my size um I think it's partially just like things that get stuck in the requests I probably will never see anyway so that's maybe another thing if I barely even go through my requests at this point because it's usually a hot mess express um I don't know I just find that I it's hard because you're a human but I think I have to realize that it's never a reflection of me and I just try not to absorb it. Like I like don't have the energy or capacity to absorb whatever I'm reading. Um, but I think also I always get people that maybe have differing opinions. So I think I've also been able to decipher between who, who's someone who just has a different perspective or has like thoughts or opinions they want to get out there. And we can actually discuss in like a really productive way versus me feeling like I need to delete it and remove it from the community. So I think it's been definitely a balance. I love that perspective. I've had to go through something similar. It's not like I have like a massive following on YouTube, but like I'm nearing 
5,000 and I've seen an increase in comments over there and I made the mistake of replying equally snarky to somebody and then they replied (laughs) back and I was like, fuck, I'm in a rabbit hole, dude. I shouldn't have replied. I shouldn't have replied to this. We're not, we're not, both of us are like not getting out of here alive, like changing somebody else's opinion. And I feel like that was like a big learning lesson to me of like, Frank from Texas, like he's just never going to like my shit and like he can feel how he wants to feel. But like I feel like going through it and like sitting with it and then realizing like, fuck, next time I got to handle this a little bit differently. I feel like that that also might help a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And Kira, tell me about your journey with video in particular. So I, like I said before we hopped on today, I say like a million times a day, video is the future, be making video content, video, 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 video. Um, but I think a lot of people actually, there's a, a greater barrier to entry with video, I think, than a lot of other types of plat, um, content. And it requires capacity on your end to be seen and like really visible. So would you walk us through your journey with video? Like, were you always just like really confident and like ready to go? Or like, did that build over time? Yeah, it definitely built over time. I always tell people, if you think that everyone else had it figured out and had like a secret class on how to like create video content confidently, like you didn't. Um, everyone you see like very much figured it out and that was me. Um, and and thinking back to how I started my business, um, because I was still in college, I was pretty young. I had so much imposter syndrome around that of like, first of all, what are my peers going to think that I created this business and I'm creating content around it? Like, what is everyone going to think? But also like if clients know they're going to like catch me in the act and think I don't know what I'm talking about and not be credible and not want to work with me. Right. So I pretty much just counted out having social media for my business, like completely. I was like, I will just do it for my clients, be behind the scenes. And that's going to be the route that I went. Um, And then I slowly, I opened the Instagram account and was posting feed posts. And I slowly started doing some stories and, and video content, but When I was doing video content, I feel like I had to look and act and sound a certain way to get through all that imposter syndrome that I was working through. And I think when I had this shift where I was like, this isn't fun, I don't want to be doing this. I think that was when I was like, let me just show up how I am, share my thoughts, share my perspective. It's okay if it's not what the hottest marketer is saying. It's okay if it's a little different. It's okay if I look or sound a certain way. And I think I've really embraced that now for my content, but also with what I encourage my clients to do. Um, But it definitely was really, really tough. And I think like, I remember when like lives got really big and when IGTV came, which now is not a thing anymore. And then when we had short form video, like Whenever that happened, I just always saw it as an opportunity and exciting new way to build community. And so when you look, if you might look back at my first reel and my first IDTV, it was crusty, rusty, like a whole mess. <laughs> um, but that's how I was able to get better at video. It wasn't like a secret class. It wasn't that I'm just better at it than everyone else. It was that I started doing it when it didn't feel good. And I've like just kept doing it ever since. Mm. So yeah i feel like that's so many things right it's like allow yourself to start messy allow yourself to like feel the chaos because like everything will get simpler what so in terms of like if you had a client or you had somebody coming to you and they were like you know what i understand video is becoming so much more important like what advice would you give them if they were like horrified to even share their face and just be like no i can't do it Yeah, I think it would be baby steps. 
Um, so I think, yes, I want you to be on video. Do I think you need to do a one minute talking to camera video? If talking on camera doesn't feel natural to you, then yeah, we don't want to do that. Um, if something like long form video on YouTube doesn't feel good, don't have YouTube be your first platform. Like maybe start small with something like Instagram stories. So I think of what I encourage my clients to do is first of all, identify your strengths. If you're a coach and you love talking, like go live or do talking videos like you're coaching. Um, if you're maybe more creative or, you know, don't want to be in camera as much, like just focus on like not creating content that requires a lot of editing or a lot of filming or for you to be camera ready or all those types of things. Um, so I think like focusing on like where you have access to what leans, in, leans into your strengths and also what feels the most fun, that is going to help you continue to just like practice that video muscle, which will make it faster, easier, um, and also just more enjoyable for you. So if there's a platform or a type of content that just feels really good for you, lean into that first, knowing you can always add or revise or make mistakes from there. But um, I think it's really figuring out like where to start, knowing that your first video is always going to be way scarier than your second and your 100th and so on. Mm, I think that's such a good point. Cause I think a lot of people, especially when we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast, you said a lot of our favorite buzzwords right there, baby steps, building muscles. <laughs> um, but I think when you're getting in, you have this like really education mindset where you're like, I just need to learn. And like, surely there's just this course out there that is going to help me like master my video game. And, and that's not wrong. There are certainly things that people can help you take shortcuts and you can learn from people. But I do think most skills are acquired by the doing. <laughs> And let it be rough. First is the worst, right? Let the first one get out there and be messy. The second one gets a little bit better and so on and so on. But I like the extra level that you added there of, um, I hadn't put two and two together about this, but like there's different ways to make video and there's different types of video content. And so how could I match up like what feels fun and like creatively inspiring to me with like a type of video that that feels a lot more easy than like, oh, I need to come up with this 10 minute YouTube essay on this certain topic. Um, so I really like that individualized perspective. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why I kind of encourage people to go the non-trending route. I don't think there's anything wrong with trends, but I think when you rely on trending audios like lip syncs or certain types of content to create your ideas and to create video content, you're only getting a, a layer, a one way to do video without like kind of taking the shackles off and being like, I can just create videos. Like a video can look and sound and, and look any way. Um, and I think it just makes video so much more enjoyable versus feeling like we need to fit into a box and create video content a certain way, which just makes it so much more freeing and, and so much more fun. Yeah. Another, oh, I'm sorry, Mariah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say from my experience, like messing around with Instagram reels and stuff, I would try to in the beginning, because everybody was like trending, do the lip syncing. And I was like, that shit was taking me 400 years in order to like memorize the whatever and like then try to say it at the same time. And it was just like sucking a the life out of me, all of my energy and all of my time. And like I personally just found like doing a video where I just share a super quick tip, like as I'm talking is just so much more like low lift than having to yeah. do something trending anyways. Definitely. Yeah. One thing you said, Natasha, it, that's a theme we've been noticing lately 
be yourself. The idea of being yourself, actually the last episode that we finished our season was like how to embrace authenticity without like cringing. Right. Cause like the word authentic is like thrown around a lot, but what we keep hearing over and over and over again from the top performers in this world is, um, when I allowed myself to be myself, that's when things really started to like come together for me. And so it kind of sounded like for you, the, maybe the straw that broke the camel's back was just being at like a frustrated place with your business. And you were just kind of like, what the fuck, let's give this a try. Or like, tell us about what, what allowed you to actually shift into like, I'm just going to be myself and see what happens. Yeah, I, I really can't remember a distinct shift. And that makes me feel like maybe it was a very, very gradual thing. Like, instead of deleting the story I created and refilling it five times, instead of feeling like, okay, I need to put down a button down shirt to be on camera, which was definitely a thought I had, like, I thought I had to have all my clavicles like hidden, like it was a thing. And so I feel like once I gradually started, like, kind of checking off the imperfect video content bucket list, I guess you could say. Um, I think that was, it was a very slow process, which I think is maybe why people get really frustrated with something like video is you do a 30 day posting of reels and then you're like, well, things don't feel that much more different. It's still exhausting. And I don't know if I like this, so I'm just going to stop. Right. But it's really that consistency and that habit building that allows you to slowly be like, okay, that was a good video or, okay, that message was really great. Or, oh, wow, this really resonated with one person and it resonating with one person is all that matters. Um, and so I think when I really felt like, I feel like I was always focused on community, even when I had a small community and so many of those people are still following and connected with me today, um, even with a bigger audience. And I think just focusing on connecting with like one or a few people versus having to grow quantities of humans that are following you, I think also helps you kind of see what you're showing up for versus just showing up for ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective that kind of makes the barrier to entry a little easier to kind of cross over. It's like if you can envision like one person in your target audience versus like 3000 eyeballs on you because 3000 eyeballs is a little like I'm shaking in my boots. But if it's like if I just imagine literally that I'm talking to my client that like had a question about this and like I do do a talking video, it just it makes it so much easier because you're like, oh, shit, this is like I know for a fact that this is really helpful because it's literally created based off of a question that one of my clients have. Interrupting the conversation real quick to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, The Contract Shop. The Contract Shop is a one-stop shop for any contract or legal template that your online business needs. They specialize in contracts for entrepreneurs, coaches, creatives, and other small business owners. Their contracts are drafted by an attorney and are peer-reviewed so that there are multiple professional eyeballs on them, so you know they're legit. One of the biggest reasons why we love the contract shop so much is that they explain what the contracts actually mean. They have guides that come with each contract so you can understand and feel confident in what the legal terms and the lingo are actually saying, so you're not feeling like a nematode if you get any questions about them later on. Both mine and Shay's personal favorite contract in the shop is the terms and conditions and the privacy policy bundle for your website. 
The contract shop also has contracts for affiliate programs, coaching relationships, masterminds and education, stock photography use, hiring contractors, and so much more. Go ahead and use the code CURIOUSLYGUIDED at checkout for 20% off any contract of your choice. Head over to CuriouslyGuided.com slash contracts to get the details and to snag the discount. All right, let's take you back to the episode. And I do kind of want to to backtrack just for a hot second. So in some previous episodes, we have kind of shit on Instagram a little bit of just like how overwhelming it can be. And like personally, like I create uh, Instagram content sometimes like when it feels fun and stuff like that. But I think what me and Shay really love about it is like it's a really cool place for the DMs, for connecting, for communicating, for creating like that, that community with the audience. But for me, it's kind of like, well, the shelf life on Instagram, creating video content on Instagram isn't as long as like creating a blog post or creating a YouTube video or something like that. So like, what's your perspective on it? Like, why do you choose Instagram? I'd love to hear, I don't know, a fresh perspective versus me and Shay just being like, this, this shit takes forever. Yeah. And I think that's a really um, great perspective to note, because I think when people compare Instagram to platforms like TikTok and YouTube, my first thought is TikTok and YouTube to me are discovery platforms. Like on a platform like TikTok, it is very, very difficult, not impossible, but it's a lot more difficult to reach your actual community, right? If anything, you're getting discovered and your content's getting seen on the For You page, right? Um, kind of the same thing with YouTube. It doesn't mean that community can't be built there, but I think that's definitely one of the benefits of Instagram, which we already kind of discussed, is that you're a lot more likely to connect with the people that you've actually decided to follow. And I think Instagram, because everyone is shitting on them, they're trying to prioritize that just a little <laughs> bit more. Um, I also think kind of to the points I've already mentioned, with Instagram, there is a video type for everyone. Going live, a very effective way to use video that not enough people talk about. Using reels, go for it. Um, using stories, I think one of the most highly converting types of content. So I think in terms of if you're trying to figure out what type of video content, you're not limited to just one format, like a short form TikTok or a long form YouTube. So I think that is definitely really beneficial. Um, and in terms of shelf, shelf life, I think that a tip that can actually be really helpful for this is I actually really like to focus on what I call profile experience with my clients. So I think this is kind of like a benefit of Instagram, but also kind of a tip to give your content more of longer shelf life. And so I like to think of the three different types of users that are going to be on my profile. We have someone that's discovering you and deciding to follow you. We have someone that's already following you and they're an engaged community member. They're like a part of your community and they're eating up your content. And then we have the last person who's already been a part of your community and maybe they're like a super warm, piping hot lead that's maybe interested in taking it off just the social media platform. And so with all of the elements and different types of content we have on Instagram, we're going to be able to easily adapt that based on those different types of followers, right? Um, with having highlights and a very clear bio and with having your grid pins and having stories ready to binge, you're able to tell people when they discover you from a real 
why they should keep binging and why they should hang out and even follow you from that video. Um, if someone's already a part of your community, you're also telling them, hey, if you already like this content, these are other pieces of content to go to and where you can find your answers to this and where you can catch up on this or where I'm showing up the most often. And it's also a really great way that when you leverage all those different features, you're able to effectively highlight your offers because I don't know about you, but I've definitely gone over to a page that I've discovered someone or I'm following someone. I'm like, I want to buy that product or I want to work with them. And it is like a scavenger hunt to even get to wherever I can do that. And maybe I don't even find it. And then I lost my attention and then I'm gone. Right. Um, and so I think with a place like Instagram, you can set up your profile in a way where even if you're not actively creating new content, or even if the content you're actively creating, isn't always getting more and more reach you feel like it's not reaching enough people, you actually can use the features we already have to make sure we are reaching all the right people. So I know that was kind of a longer response than you were probably <laughs> hoping for, but that's kind of my perspective on everything. No, it's fucking genius, dude. I'm so glad that I asked that question because as you're talking, <laughs> so many pieces clicked into place where I'm just like shoving my foot in my mouth because like I use Instagram and it's funny because I, A, I've never heard anybody group TikTok and YouTube together. Mm -hmm. I've always heard people group Instagram and TikTok because short form content. And it's like mm -hmm. short form versus long form, like this big debate. But actually it's like discoverability versus yes. connection. And like, personally, yes. I've never downloaded TikTok. Do they have like a DM feature or no? They do, but it's very hard to get to the DMs. And it's not a like key feature, like, on Instagram, you reply to a story and you're in the DMs. They now have the broadcast channels, which is like a whole other way to use DMs. Um, and if you're not familiar with what a broadcast channel is, you can essentially make a group chat where people can't reply, but you can send them messages. Um, so yeah, I think when you see that distinction, it kind of um, makes it not so much a war and more like, how can we actually make them all work together? Because when you're creating video content one place, you'll have the skills and strategy to be able to do it everywhere. It's just being able to find the balance. I want to also speak to one thing I hear a lot from TikTokers. I don't know how many TikTokers are listening to this, but what I often hear with people on TikTok is they go to TikTok because they're pissed off with Instagram. They're like, I fucking hate Instagram. Everything's so boring and stale there. I have to look perfect, blah, blah, blah. And my perspective is that can be your content on Instagram. Like, why aren't we posting the way you post on TikTok? Short form video to me is short form video. On TikTok, it might be more discovery. So maybe you're like feeling a little more free and wild, but why can't you talk to your current community the same way you talk to them in a casual TikTok video? Um, so I think when it comes to platforms, um, I just think they just get pit against each other, but I think good strategy will help you show up effectively on any platform. I, I love them all for different reasons. Well, one thing you mentioned that I found really like um, light bulb going off was I've played around with this idea of like taking my business Instagram. I haven't done a thing with in a long time. And I've played around with the idea of making like the feed be more like a billboard where it's just like nine posts that kind of, and, and I like what you're saying, just like your website, Ryan and I are also former website designers. So I know the importance of letting people go on the binge when they get on your website, but Instagram is, is even a precursor to that. And like, you can use those pinned posts and your highlights and even your bio. I liked what you said about the profile, but like thinking about 
am I letting someone who's just finding me really go on the deep dive and, and how can I facilitate that? And then focusing on video. So that's my question. Like, give me advice. You have a kind of a dormant Instagram account. Where would you start with video? What, what do you think is like the lowest hanging fruit? Yes, definitely. I think the first thing is I would optimize your profile as you've kind of already chatted about. Um, admittedly, almost everyone has their profile as a little bit of a junk drawer, like no matter where you're creating content. So I think making sure everything truly reflects what you want people to see, because I think people use the, the profile more than we give them credit for. Um, and that I would focus on repurposing, actually. Um, so if you're creating content somewhere else, I would go into what are your best performing ideas? What are the ideas you're most excited about? What is content you created on Instagram years back that could be revived and refreshed? Um, what are you talking about in your newsletters and your blog posts? Um, don't start from scratch when it comes to ideas, like just start posting content, knowing you can revise and brainstorm fresh ideas from there. Um, and kind of to go along with that, I would say lean into low lift video content. Um, what I mean by that is what doesn't require you a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of capacity to create. Um, I want to give the little disclaimer with like repurposing and low lift video content that I'm not saying like be lazy, right? Like we still need to put effort into creating content. I'm not going to give you the no effort way. Um, but I think it's all about optimizing the effort that it requires. Um, and so with low lift video content, a, a really easy way that I find that anyone can just crank out really easily is creating some stock content, um, which essentially is just B-roll footage, right? Video clips of you doing things in your business, doing things that you're interested in. Um, so for me, a lot of my stock content or B-roll footage looks like me making my morning matcha, walking into my office, behind the scenes of setting up to create video content, behind the scenes of me coaching and working with my clients. Um, those are kind of just a few examples of things that I would kind of like start with. Um, and I'm just taking those video clips and then I'm adding text on top of them inside something like reels or TikTok or even shorts. So take your video clip. You don't need to edit anything. Like take the clip, add text on top with the content you repurpose, um, a perspective shift, um, a quick tip or hack, a piece of advice you wish someone knew, your own thoughts that you're kind of musing on. Like what is the text? Repurpose it from something already existing. If you want to put a trending audio, a voiceover, or just keep it with no sound, go for it. And then you have video content. So I think the best way to like start creating video content is don't make it harder than it needs to be. The amount of questions I get about what about my reels cover and what about hashtags and how often should I post and like that, it literally, that shit doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if you're just, you just need to start posting content consistently and that low lift style of content um, really is effective too. Because people are like tired. They're like, I'm tired of consuming stuff that makes my brain hurt. Like, I just want to be able to easily get value from something and keep it going. So that's kind of what I would give as my advice. Ooh, that last point there is really solid of thinking about where someone is at in a mental state when they are on Instagram and not always going for like the hard pitch and the hard sell and remembering that people are just kind of cruising and consuming. And so give them the quick tip and the quick win and think about it as a community building opportunity. I think that's um, really interesting. And I hadn't really thought about that. 
Um, and I also really like what you're saying about, I've heard you and Mariah both say low lift and I didn't know what it was. So I'm glad that you guys explained that, but um, <laughs> I really like what you're saying. And I've noticed that on Instagram, that people that it's just like video of them, just like living their life with something on top. And I love that. I always like, it grabs my attention. I like the quick tip, like you're saying, and um, I don't know why I hadn't thought I couldn't do that for myself, but I think that's great. And I also love the idea of repurposing. So like us going through old podcast episodes and finding, we certainly have tons of little quotes and like takeaways yeah. that I can pull out. So um, that feels cool. I, I think that the next part of my question, and there may not be a good answer to this, but like from your perspective, do you think it's like, sounds like stories seem like the friendliest place to start for most folks or like, how do how does that kind of chain work? Yeah, I think start with your strengths. If going live feels the easiest and you don't want to edit content and you love talking and you like collaborating, do lives. Um, but for the most part, I find that stories are usually the lowest to entry because there's not a lot of editing required. Um, most people are familiar with how to create a story, so there's just not as much of a, a learning curve. Um, and because they are so focused on community building and you can connect via DMs, you can share link stickers, you can share engagement stickers. I feel like they're a great place to focus on your current community. Um, of course, they're not going to get you new followers. Like uh, someone's not going to discover your story off of the abyss, right? It's not discovery content, but it's really great for nurturing your current community. And um, kind of to that point, one little small like mini tangent is I think with social media, it's very easy to get caught up in like growing. Like we always feel this need of like, I need new followers, right? Like that's what we're supposed to be doing here. But often I, if you have like a few hundred, a few thousand followers, like that can be just as effective. And if anything, even more effective than having hundreds of thousands of followers. So I think that can be a great place to start, especially if you already have an existing community. I think, I mean, I feel like I've said the word fucking genius literally 6,000 times, but I do think that like, it is genius. And I remember, um, pitching you to be on the podcast with Shay because I, you know, we co-host, we have to a-okay the guests. And I was like, yo, check this shit out. And I remember I sent her your Instagram reel where you were talking about stock content and like stock videos. And I was like, I have never heard this before. I was like, this is literally genius. And like, how fun is it? Like, I think that you you had this one reel and we can put the link to it in the show notes because it's it's just so smart. I think it was like you and a friend going to um, yes, a content a day. Yeah, a yeah. coffee shop. And like yeah, you did a content so day. And I was like, Shay, why are we not doing this? We like, kind of did. We went to Nashville and did that, like inspired by you. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Yes. Content days is definitely a tip I would actually give kind of for that person that's wanting to create more video content. Um, because chances are you're busy, whether you're a full-time entrepreneur, a side hustler, a parent, whatever, right? You have limited time, but it's important that you're prioritizing your marketing tasks, aka creating video content, just like any other task in our business. Um, and so I like to recommend setting a set period of time on a reoccurring basis to create video content. This could be you setting a little shot list of, hey, I want to get these clips and just filming the clips, right? You can do it at home with a tripod or just putting your phone on a phone stand or something. Or if you like being inspired by going out to a park or a coffee shop, 
do it with a friend. Um, they don't have to worry about a tripod, easy. Um, makes it like fun activity, right? It's like the new co-working. Um, but it also can be for things of like on your content day, what if you go live every content day? Or what if you know you're always posting like your most in-depth stories of the week? Or if that's the day you're like batching your YouTube videos or batching outlines or sourcing ideas and repurposing stuff for video content. So um, a content day can be for like actually filming the stock content, those video clips. But it also can be just like, I am prioritizing video just like anything else in my business, which I find is where a lot of people get stuck because we think it's like this fun hobby that's on our phone and we do it when we have the time, but it's just as important as anything else in our business. And it, it also makes it where we're not on Sunday night when we want to be with our family or off social media and taking time off we're not working outside of our business hours to create content, right? We can set aside intentional time to do that with a content day. Mm. And yeah, that's kind of I getting think... back. I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was well, that's getting nothing. back to your idea of like setting boundaries, which I think is so important. And, and even it gets blurry when your work is social media. So you're like, uh, when does work stop and start and end? And so I, I'm wondering like, what has what have the, some of the boundaries been that you've put in that have helped you with this kind of capacity issue? I know we talked about, you know, there is no need to respond to every DM right away all the time. Um, to tell me more about like the boundaries that you've put in place that have been helpful. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the biggest one, like kind of the overarching one is I treat social media like a business task. Um, I don't do it outside of my business hours, which means I am never on social media on the weekends. I'm not creating content. I'm not thinking of content. I'm not posting content. I'm not responding to DMs. Um, that's a hard boundary for me, which also means in the evenings and in the mornings before I'm working, I'm not focusing on content. Um, I think that's a very simple thing that people can do to just make sure that like, if you're taking vacation days from your business, you don't need to be posting stories from your vacation. Um, having those boundaries that you think of social media, like a part of your business, I find will make sure you're not constantly feeling the need to post and it just creates a lot healthier boundaries. I feel like that's honestly my, my biggest, my biggest one. It's huge. What a, what a good permission slip. I mean that nobody needed, but also like as an Instagram lover, like as an Instagram person, who's like helping people on Instagram and Instagram mentor, literally being like, you don't need to fucking post everything about your life on Instagram. Like, and the strong boundaries that you have, I think that it's just so inspiring and just a reminder that like we are humans first and then business owners second. And I think we can easily get caught up in the like anything can be content. So shit, I'm just going to like take this photo while I'm on vacation of the waves hitting my feet. And then all of a sudden, 30 minutes, an hour goes by and it's like I lost the sunset, didn't even see it except through yeah. like the lens of my phone. And I feel like that can just catch up to us so quickly. And then it's yeah. like, oh, shit, we lost the opportunity to snag these videos. But it's like. Yeah, but if you took some time maybe during your work week or like a Saturday morning, if you wanted to have your content day there, because maybe yeah. there's service providers listening to this or people that work like a nine to five and it's like a Saturday mm -hmm. morning at a coffee shop or like just you don't need a lot of time, but like you can probably get a shit ton of clips from like, what? Well, what would you say, like an hour or two maybe? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I've sat down in my office with my tripod and just had a ball and gotten like a quarter's worth of stock content. Because the, the benefit of something like stock content is you can use it over and over again and use it in a different way and add different types of text and paste it all together. Um, so yeah, I think it's just such an easy, low lift way to create your video content. But I think you mentioned a really great point is when it comes to boundaries, it's not just about when you're on social media, but what you choose to share on social media. Um, and I think the era of lifestyle influencers has made this a very blurred line for creators, but also for business owners. Yes. And I firmly believe it is not sustainable to post your entire business online. Everything is not content. And you are fully able to say, I don't want to post this part of my life. I don't want to create content at this certain thing. I don't want to show my family. I don't want to share my hobbies. I don't want to share whatever it is something you're going through you are not obligated to create content out of everything um, and I actually think that when we get into that rabbit hole that's when we actually take away from who we're trying to create for um, and it also kind of creates this uh, not so great relationship with our community where they almost feel um, like not obligated but they feel like they deserve that content like, like entitled oh, you started yeah. yeah, entitled. Like, oh, you started posting things about this. So like, we should get that all the time, right? Um, and I don't know for my community, I, I rarely hear them say this because I've made that boundary of like, I'm not here on social media all the time. You'll maybe see my husband and my dog every once in a while. You'll see a few corners of my house. But that's like a very intentional boundary that I've set that allows you to be present in your life. Yeah, I was looking cute going to the movies the other day and I was like, hey, can you take a few like six, a six second video clip, which meant it took us six seconds to take. And then my phone was away and I was out being present watching The Little Mermaid, living my best life, right? Um, so I think it's really important to have those boundaries because it allows you to capture things intentionally, but not feel the pressure to capture everything. Um, I really like what you're saying because I do think that's something I get hung up on because you hear we're saying be authentic, be yourself, share your human. Like that's advice you get all the time. You want your people to see your human side. And and I'm pretty private. So it's like, ah, like I don't really I want to go on an afternoon walk and just like not have my phone. I don't want to have to like yeah. story it, you know? And so I find it really empowering what you're saying of like we aren't lifestyle influencers and what, well, maybe we, we want to be in some way, but like, really, this is a business and like, we get to set boundaries and maybe I show one little piece of my life, but it doesn't mean I have to show every little bit of my life and that I get to make the rules there feels like a really um, empowering message. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that we can be authentic without sharing everything. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think it's like understanding the difference between those two when we think about our content of like, I can connect with people, I can build a community, I can be myself while keeping things private and while not being on social media all the time and having healthy boundaries. And my next question for you is how do you tell the difference between like, um, I'm making content just to make content versus this is the content that my audience wants. Like this is the value. Cause I love yeah. what you're saying about simplicity. Like I totally agree. And I think we all overcomplicate. I was already overcomplicating thinking I needed a cameraman and you were like, get a tripod. And I was like, duh. But, but <laughs> how, how do you kind of draw that line in your, in your head of like, this is the value. I can still keep it simple versus like, I'm just making toes in the sand video. Yeah. 
I think for me, it all starts with strategy. And this is where I like to focus on content pillars with my clients. Um, content pillars is like a whole conversation. Um, I actually did a back to basic series over on my podcast, the Shine Online podcast. So I definitely recommend diving deep in there if you want to like the full thing. But in short, content pillars, my specific approach is tipping five topics that you're going to consistently talk about your content around. And the reason why I pick five is because I don't believe that you need a niche and need to niche it niche down. And me only talk about Instagram video for the rest of my life because that's boring. I'm bored by that. You're bored by that. Who wants to hear me only talk about Instagram video? But then the other side of things is where we get into that blurred, multi-passionate, I'm in a lifestyle influencer boundaries of like, am I posting about everything I can think of? And so that's where I pick five content pillars. And some of those pillars are going to be your expertise. Some of those are going to be related to what you do. So for example, I do video marketing. So I might talk about launching or email marketing as a complementary thing that you do with video or running a business, right? Um, but then I always like to have a personal pillar. I recommend everyone has a personal pillar. We call it personal potpourri in my uh, program. And what's great about the personal pillar is you can play with it. It should be always changing depending on what you're interested in, what you're excited about. And with that pillar and with all your pillars, I think of this lens of who am I trying to reach and why am I trying to reach them? So you're always using this lens of who is my ideal client, my ideal follower, and then what are my offers? Like, what am I actually doing this social mm. media thing for? Yeah. Because if you can't like tie your ideal client and or your offer to your pillars, then it's probably not something you should be creating. And so when we talk about your personal pillar, for example, I share my matcha. It's no secret. If you go to my Instagram, there's probably something with matcha somewhere. I'm just, I guarantee you'll find it. Um, and that's a very intentional thing that I share. It's authentic to me, of course, but it's very, very intentional because I know I'm reaching entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs love caffeine. They love their morning beverage. So me sharing my morning beverage, my morning caffeine isn't random to me. It's a very intentional point of contact. If I was like a professional video gamer on the side, that's probably, so I'm not, by the way. Um, no, no, it's okay if you are, but I'm not. Um, that would probably not be something that I should, like my audience probably isn't going to be super interested in. Most of my audience isn't going to be very interested in that, right? Um, and so I think that lens really helps me know of like, if it's in my personal pillar, I share it, I can create my boundaries, I can be private. Um, but everything in that personal pillar creates my brand of me. And so when I'm thinking of things like soft content, it can either be very specific to video and marketing and content and social media, right? Or it can be me making my matcha or me going on my hot girl walks because that's a part of my personal pillar. Um, so I kind of tie ideas, stock content, all back to my pillars, all back to my strategy. I think that's really, really helpful to kind of put like a uh, boundary on it. Like I usually say, like we need a boundary in order to, or a structure in order to flow in between that. Because like sometimes when we get into the space of like, I need to create content, it feels too like lofty, too vague, too wide of like, fuck, I could take a picture of anything. I could take a video of anything. I can say yeah. anything. But it's like, if you have a document somewhere, uh, which I did want to say, we will link to that Back to the Basics series in the podcast show notes. So I'm going to go add that to my to-do list. Natasha, I love hearing you talk about this shit. I think that you're so fucking smart. Um, Thank and you. so, <laughs> so 
I think that having that kind of pillar and just allowing yourself to flow in between it, because it's not like you have to be like, check this box. And then the next day, check this one and have a super rigid schedule. It feels like it's more like it can be flexible. Just make sure that like your content has a point to it because I've gotten stuck in that rabbit hole too, where I've been sharing some shit. And then I've heard people be like, sell on Instagram stories. And I'm just like, yeah, but like, I don't even have any offers that I could like point people back to or like digital products at this time. Like my offer suite really wasn't built out. And I was like, I felt like this content was kind of just floating in the abyss and like wasn't tied back to anything. So I feel like kind of doing that maybe strategy thinking and planning in the beginning is just going to make everything a lot more strategic. But my question for this stock content, because I'm obsessed with the idea of it, how do you like create a shot list like do you have any suggestions of just like creating a shot list or even in terms of what how do I make my shit look good you know what I'm saying like is there like some lighting tips or like if I were to take a video of me making like my fucking Americano yo this condo is like it's a little outdated up here in the mountains and like she ain't cute so Part of me is like, well, yeah, that's a big part of me is making my drink in the morning, but I've never shared content because my boyfriend, Andrew, is like allergic to doing dishes. And so sometimes it's just a pain in the ass to A, like, what angle do I do? How do I create the shot list and like get something that also looks visually appealing because I don't want to look like a slob? Yeah, I'm going to give the mindset and the strategy tip. (laughs) Uh, Which one do you guys want first? Which one first? (laughs) Mindset. School me. Okay. Mindset. No one cares if your place is a mess because theirs is too. That's always what I say. I feel like we think it needs to look perfect, but I have filmed in my childhood bedroom, in the car, in a corner, in the co-working space, um, anywhere you can imagine. And no one comes for me saying, you are a slob. Why are you doing this? Your car is ugly. Like I've never gotten hate mail about that ever. Um, And so I think we care about that stuff more than your viewers and audience ever will. Um, You'll see with my matcha videos, my kitchen is very poorly lit. because It's a galley kitchen. Galley kitchens are kind of dumb, honestly, because there's no light. Like a lighting's kind of, but it's not really, right? So I do not have the perfectly lit matcha pouring moment. I'm honestly backlit, right? Which I would never recommend. So I want to give the the first layer of like imperfect content is still good content. It doesn't need to look perfect. You don't need to have a perfectly aesthetic space because that's not real. When we see people with the most beautiful space and you're like, how did you find a filming space? That's that's just not real for everyone to attain at every moment. Um, the other thing is like more tactical tools. A bright window, natural lighting is always gonna be your best light and it's always gonna be the way you get the best quality content. You don't need a ring light, just be near a really great bright window. Um, also like wipe off your camera lunch. Cause it's probably smudgy. That's the biggest thing. I just Big did one. that literally yesterday. I was like, yo, I'm a crusty bitch with this phone. Like it's I had to smudgy. wipe off the filter. And I was like, yeah, I thought I needed to go out and buy like the new iPhone in order to get some stock content, but your girl smudgy. just had to wipe her shit off. <laughs> yes. I do it every time I film huh. something every, every time front camera too, if you're doing like a self, a story. Okay. So that's a really big one, wipe off the smudgies. Um, I like to have a tool that makes creating easier. That's why I don't say tripod because for some people it might not be a tripod because if setting up a tripod is an obstacle, either leave it set up in your office space or don't use a tripod. 
Um, something I, I know you can't see this in a podcast, unfortunately, but this is my binky. It's a phone stand. Um, it's called I, a binky? I, no, it's not a binky. I, it's like oh. my binky. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, it's, it's well, we have business. It that. Yeah, we have business binkies. <laughs> yes, yes. So as you can see, it's right there. I always keep it off to the side because it's on my desk. I can easily put my phone in it and create content. I'm actually seeing it. So I put my phone in it, I'm filming me doing work and I have stock content, voila, already ready to go. Um, another type of tool is a flip stick, which is something that actually goes on the back of your phone um, and actually could stick to walls and windows and tile. Um, so all that to say, there's tons of options for tools. Figure out what's the easiest for you. What is the easiest and what will make creating video easiest? Knowing that for the most part, if you see my video content, I probably like, put it on my water bottle or like on a random ledge or on a wall. Um, so easy. I really, I really focus on easy. Um, and in terms of any other tips, I feel like in terms of shot list, so I use my content pillars for my shot list. So probably going to be what you do, your expertise, your industry, your niche, the obvious things. Um, so packaging orders, working on a website, um, designing something, filming video content, um, like going to tour houses if you're a realtor, like whatever you do, get the things of you doing the things, um, which can be a shot list done in a content day intentionally, or like literally capture it while you're doing it. Um, or those kind of more personal related things. Um, if you love going for walks, if you love your morning beverage, like those types of things that fall under your personal pillar, that should be a part of your shot list. Um, so you can sit down and literally like brainstorm what those ideas are. Or what I do for the most part, which keeps me always having so much stock content is I am thinking of, okay, when I walk into my office every day, I'm going to set my phone up and film me doing walking into my office and then sitting down to start doing work. When I'm doing a coaching call, I'm going to sit my phone stand to the side. I'm going to film me doing my video content. When I do my matcha in the morning, I'm going to do that. So essentially it's a version of habit stacking, taking something you're already doing in your day and adding a video task, like capturing the content for that. Um, so it doesn't always have to be a shot list if that doesn't feel super appealing, but it's definitely a way that you can make sure you get your stock content. Habit stacking. It's another good one. That's smart because we're always doing like, I guess, for me, I have this made up roadblock because it's not true because you're literally proving it with your stock content of like, I work online, so I don't do anything fun. It's literally just me like picking my ass in the same place with the same background and like doing the same shit all the time. But it's like, what if we just switched up the angle? Like it could be just that simple. Or time lapse or just a regular video. Or what you're seeing, maybe showing your screen of like you on a client call, or you like editing or writing something. Mm. Or right now, Laura, pod I was literally just doing a time lapse while you're podcasting. You are a magician. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love the theme that you bring it back though too. Is um, how can this be easy? How can you make this easy for yourself? How could you find joy here? But there's one thing that you've mentioned quite a bit that I'm really inspired by. And I hope like this is my big takeaway from this podcast is your mindset is really wonderful. What, what I heard you say is like, um, I think a lot of us, when we maybe make videos, we're going to hyper-focus on everything that's wrong. You know, there was dishes in the sink. I stuttered over my words. My hair looked wild. And what I'm hearing you say is like, you are doing the opposite. You are really 
focusing in on like, where's the good here? What did I do right? How was this awesome? And you're talking to yourself with really kind words. Cause I heard you say like, Oh, I, I did this and I'm happy I did that. And I'm proud of myself. And so I think just like your, I really appreciate your mental game of, I think it's really easy when we're putting ourselves out there and when we're being vulnerable and when we're making this con video content in particular to be too precious with it. And, and, and anything that's not perfect, we sit there and nitpick and hyper obsess about and kind of beat ourselves up on. But like, what if we just let all that go and like only focus on what rocked about that video and like why you're so proud of yourself about it and like that you're building a muscle and that you're getting better. And so I think that's just like very powerful. And I'm not sure if you worked to build that, but I think that having that skill of like finding the good in things is really, really wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I definitely really appreciate that takeaway and hope it's been able to inspire other people with the caveat that um, I'm not always loving my videos and not always loving how I feel and sound. And, and, and I definitely have to honor that sometimes if I'm struggling with mental health or I'm just like burnt out and tired. Like it's not always a constant, it's feeling better, but it definitely is a muscle that I've really challenged myself to work. And it's because I've seen with my clients um, that it's it's almost like always 20% strategy. And then like the other 80% is their mind around what it's actually like to be on video. Mm -hmm. It's about if it's perfect enough. And if I have to sound a certain way and I have to have this right setup and I have to edit a certain way and that it matters if you're posting and, and none of that really matters. We just kind of use that as a way to like make sure we're creating stuff that's great right we're using it with the best intent of like we want to show our best selves we want to connect with people we want to serve people we want to add value but i think we can do that without having to allow perfectionism and all those mindset ickies to take over mm -hmm. and just focusing on the one person that you're helping right like even if i can just help yeah. this one person like that is so much more tangible i love that yeah in terms of like the future of video marketing and all of that stuff i know like it's kind of like clickbaity sometimes of just like this is how this is the trend that i see coming but i think especially with ai coming out and people being able to create ai generated content like especially me being an seo strategist it's just like what i'm telling my clients is like listen there has always been content mills. There has always been like people regurgitating the same shit over and over and over again in different forms trying to get on Google. And like AI generated content just makes that easier for like everybody to kind of create the same regurgitated shit. And so my perspective on video marketing, especially for online business owners, is that it's going to become increasingly more important because when you're on video, you can't AI generate that. I mean, like, I think you might be able to, but like a little creepy. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you can actually. But it's like, I think people are really going to crave like that unfiltered, like un-AI generated, un-AI touched content. And I think really craving like more connection, more perspective and more storytelling. Is that something similar that you see happening? And just like in terms of Instagram, is it too late to start kicking it off with reels? Like you think that it's just going to keep growing? Like what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely echo similar thoughts and perspectives on AI. I think it's a complex um it's a complex topic because I think that there are some great intended tools of like AI. I am thinking of video tools where they take a long form video and cut it down for short form video, right? Like 
we can be very smart with how we're using our time. I'm always for the low lift, right? That's what we've been talking about. But I do think that you can never AI generate your expertise, your unique perspective, your unique thoughts, and you. And when your clients work with you, when they buy your product, AI can never perfect that in a summary, in a video script, um, whatever it is. Um, and so I think that the time you could be spending on AI, like this is just where I've just been, this is my perspective on it right now. The time you could be spending on something like AI, you could be spending on your stock content, on perfecting your skills of talking to camera, on generating ideas and tapping into your expertise. Because I think in an online space where we've seen the trends and the lip sync and everyone doing this and everything looks and sounds the same, you yep. need to not look and sound the same. <laughs> I think it's just so important. So that's definitely where I think people should focus is like focus on original content that doesn't require anything else, but your incredible wisdom and you as you are to create. And the value of that is you can be on any platform, which I think is really where I encourage people to be. I think Instagram, I think um, TikTok, I think YouTube, I think any platform that you choose, there's so much opportunity for when you do that. Um, and when you are able to actually allow them to work together as well um, in a very thoughtful way and not just a copying, pasting across platforms way. Um, so I definitely think that like figuring out a balance between like omnipresence across platforms and really focusing on original content that will allow you to do that is where everyone should be focusing their energy. And if you want to start on Instagram, I think there's so many opportunities. Um, go collaborate with people, go live with people, post reels um, and post great different content and you'll be able to grow on Instagram. When people are zigging, you got to fucking zag. That's it. Yeah. That's like it's like business and marketing 101, but I feel like we we get so caught up in the trends of like oh fuck, everybody's doing this. I got to do that. I do have one more really small question just because I'm curious about your perspective. Reels versus carousels. Is like does it really matter? Do people give a shit? Like do we test this? Like how do we figure it out? I like both. I think we should have both. Um when it comes to Instagram, I think I like to use every bit of the platform as I can. Um, and I think carousels are a great tool to use as those profile experience elements, like pinning, like communicating information in a different way. Um, I think they can be great for explore discovery, but I love using carousels to test concepts to start with my content that I am repurposed into videos. So I actually think they work hand in hand. Um, so I like and encourage both. That's a really good perspective, using carousels to test ideas for videos. Another genius, another genius tip here. I feel complete in terms of questions. Where, where are you at, Shay? I have one question and I don't know. It's kind of hairy. One thing Mariah <laughs> and I talk a lot about is like watering down your message. And you brought up at the beginning of the episode, like in 2020 and 2021, there was a lot of challenging, bigger things to kind of navigate. And I we find a lot of people myself included, sometimes it can feel scary to like put your voice out there because you don't want to offend anybody and you don't want to do this and that. And so I understand why people kind of just repurpose and reuse the same content over and over again, because it feels safe. So can you tell us like, A, have you ever coached people through kind of the fear of like, 
I don't want to like uh, offend getting anybody. canceled. Yeah, getting canceled or I, yeah. we, I I don't want people to we're worried. Not that we're worried, but it's like we're missing a lot of really great perspectives because people are really afraid to put themselves out there and I get it. But like how do we get over that and still do it anyway and kind of navigate that? Yeah, um I think it's a it's a great question and a really important topic. I actually did a, a episode where I titled it like spicy content, like how to create spicy content that doesn't get you canceled. So I've I've talked about this in depth because I, I know that a lot of people struggle with it. Um and, and my perspective is that you can create what I call spicy content, um, as long as it aligns with your values, your perspective, and with the very important asterisk that it should always be led with empathy. We never want people to feel guilty or to feel bad or to feel harmed or to feel unsafe when we're sharing our spicy thoughts, which can be as deep as something political, or it can be as not deep as don't post trends on Instagram video. <laughs> um, so I think it can be a really important strategy. And I also like to call it spicy content because with spiciness, there's different levels, right? We have a jalapeno that's like kind of chill, not super spicy, just a little zing. And then we have a habanero that would like make someone cry if they ate the whole thing, right? Um, and so you can identify based on your personality, who you are, how spicy are you? You might not be the spiciest pepper in the batch. So you don't have to try and like be a Gary V like yelling at people on video, right? If that's not your jam. Um, but also you can do that if that's aligned with your values. And is that how you would talk to a client or a friend or a customer or a team member? That's always the lens I like to look at it from. Um, so yeah, I feel like that perspective really helps me of like, is this important and relevant to my people, my community and my brand? If it is, I can share it in a way that's led with empathy um, and do it in a way that's done where it doesn't hurt people. I think that's really what the canceled thought is, is like, yeah, we care about being canceled, but at the end of the day, we care about like hurting people um, and kind of making a bad name for ourselves. I think that's really what it stems down to. Hmm. Love that. Well, the last question we love to finish off with is, um, I'm curious about your personal potpourri right now. Um, we, we love to ask all of our guests, you know, what's sparking your curiosity? What are the rabbit holes that you're finding yourselves going down um, these days? I mean, me speaking in Spanish before we first recorded gives <laughs> you a little bit of clue. Um, so yeah, I've been doing what I've been calling summer camp. Um, we also were talking about this off air, but Florida is very hot, which is where I'm from. And I find that I tend to get the summer blues, which I know is like the opposite of most places. And so I was thinking back to summers that I had the best time. And it was when I was booked and busy with summer camps as a kid. So I've been kind of bringing that back into my adult life. So um, I'm like basically going back to college. It feels like I have ceramics classes. I'm doing Spanish classes. I've been learning to garden. Um, and I've just been focusing on all those hobbies that have like nothing to do with my business and have everything to do with just like the interests that I've had. So those things have all just been making me very excited and I've just been having so much fun with them. I love the the label of summer camp. That's me too. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that so up because I saw that on your website and I was like, genius. Well, you're going to say genius. This episode yeah. is just going to be called like G the genius. genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, but camp immediately, I was like, how fun, like what joy. I want to think about camp. So I really like that idea. Um, yeah. that's wonderful. So we've shared a lot of resources from you and we'll link to them in the show notes, but what 
you know, if our listeners are hearing you for the first time and they want to go on the deep dive with you, where would you send them or recommend um, they start it? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely start over on Instagram at Shine with Natasha. That's where I'm most active. Um, in terms of like more in-depth tutorials on like how to edit um, and just more in-depth insights, I definitely would recommend YouTube at Shine with Natasha. Um, and then I know I mentioned the Shine Online podcast. I think it's a really great place to kind of dive deeper into some of the topics like spicy content. I have an episode on content days. I also have that back to basic series, which would be really helpful if you're wanting to deep dive into things like content pillars and strategy and even profile experience. Um, so that, that would be definitely a great place to start binging. Okay. Awesome. We are going to put the links to all of that. And then I think you also have like a five-day video confidence challenge. You have that too? Yes. Yes. And that is all about stock content. So it's a five-day challenge on day one. I'll teach you how to source stock content. And then for the rest of the days, I actually give you prompts on how to actually use your stock content and create videos. So it's a really great way to kind of get back into posting and test out the low list strategies we talked about today. So you can just go to videoconfidencechallenge.com or of course it will be in the show notes. Wow. So it's, yeah. it's like increasing <laughs> confidence while also getting stock content. That's yeah. really smart to like kind of check both of those in one box because like, as we know, building confidence, it's essentially like doing the thing. So that's yeah. really smart. All right. Well, I think we're going to close this episode down. Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your genius. If I had a dollar for every time we said genius, it's literally laughable. But listeners, if you guys uh, listening enjoyed this episode and enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with somebody that you think would love it. Screenshot it, share it on social media, tag us. If something really popped out or you really had a tip that you're like, oh yeah, this is definitely the fucking jam. Definitely share it with us, DM us. We, We really love connecting with you. And as always, thank you so much for listening and for your support. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so we can all continue to grow together. And until next time, remember that you have the power to create whatever the hell you want. Follow the nudge, ask questions, and let curiosity guide the way. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Curiously Guided Podcast. We appreciate you so much for being here. Truly, this podcast is such a joy for us to create. If you love the conversation or you're a fan of the podcast and you want to support us in creating new episodes, feel free to head over to curiouslyguided.com support to buy us a coffee. If you're not already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform so you can stay in the loop with all of the episodes we've got coming your way. And while you're heading over to subscribe, slide over to the review section and let us know what you thought about that episode. Reviews go a long way in helping us reach more listeners. So even if it's just a quick one, it helps us all continue to grow together. We'll see you in the next episode.